like the way it sounds, Freddy? Let me breathe for a minute, man. Just let me breathe. Just let me breathe for a minute, man. Just let me breathe for a minute. Just let me breathe. It's too hot, drop the top off the wagon. Lay back, blow a fire like dragon. Max Barber, you are a journalist, a playwright, an editor. You played editor in chief of Omaha's News Weekly, The Reader, and you have. Yeah, the Reader. You have reviewed theater for City Pages in Minneapolis, and you've written some shit for the American Jewish World. Uh, you, yeah, yeah, I'm an editor at American Jewish World. Yes, and I love that. That's why I found you was there. That's right. Oh. Um, <laughs> you are a man of many ideas and, and many talents, and uh, really so many I could not count. It was, like, endless. Like, when I got to the third page of Google, I'm like, all right, you know, that's, <laughs> that's enough. Like, that's a lot. Uh, you were born a long, long time ago, and when I first read your your piece, I thought, oh, this is a young kid. You know, I figured you were in your late 20s, and, and when I started reading about it, I'm like, shit, he's old like me. I love it. I'm older than you, though, but you're my baby brother's age, which is good. Um, you were adopted by a Jewish family in St. Louis Park, and your real gene pool is filled with Irish and English folk, which I think yep. is so cool. Um, so what was it like growing up Jewish? Well, I, I mean, it was probably like anybody else growing up Jewish, except I didn't look like anyone else. On the other hand, you know, the Jewish community is pretty pretty uh, varied right now. Um, but I certainly didn't look like my family. They, they are from Eastern European Jewish stock, and they're small and brown and curly-haired, and I'm none of those things, um, tall and... Uh, fair-skinned and um, had had very light hair when I was young. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, I grew up part of the Reform community in the Twin Cities. I went to Temple Israel. Um, Were you bar mitzvahed? Ju- bar- I was. I was bar mitzvahed okay. at, at Temple Israel. I okay. did go to the Jewish high school that was here for a short while, Maimonides High School, which was a, an Orthodox high school. So even though I'm Reform, I, I, I received an Orthodox education. Which I, I, is a little bit off the beaten path for uh, for a lot of people. Yeah, sometimes if you're lighter, some of them are actually lighter. You know, sometimes you'll see these little Orthodox kids, and they're like light haired with, you know, their curls, and I'm like, it's bizarre. Yeah, very <laughs> so fair haired. You could maybe some that's what they were putting you in there for. <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of your pictures that I looked at. You like to dress very much of your real lineage, like English and Irish, but what what do you wear if you're trying to dress like a Jewish person? Well, I go to work in black pants, a white shirt, and a black vest. Um, there you go. Wear, I have a lot of uh, what are called fiddler caps, or like what they wore on Fiddler on the Roof, and so I'll wear those as well. Um, but yeah, when I get home, I actually tend to switch into cowboy stuff, like Western shirts and trucker hats that, that's that's a little more comfortable for me yeah that's i funny. used to be in a country band so oh were you so what, what was yeah. the band what was it it was called uh, courtney mclean and the dirty curls i oh. was a dirty girl i love it you <laughs> all right so getting to the the wild west thing you have which i just found you just started a podcast the wildest yeah, west yeah. so tell me that's about right. it tell me about it well it's about um the sort of off the beaten path stuff that that uh you know weird western movies uh strange country songs 
we sampled a bunch of Western candy on our first first episode. We're probably going to eat some rattlesnake in the future. So <laughs> just anything that seems a little Weird. offbeat and interesting to us, yeah. Yeah, that's really the theme. We're going to Los Angeles in a week, and we'll be going to the Gene Autry Museum out there. And what is that? Going to an old, what is that's that? a museum of the American West uh, that was started by singing cowboy Gene Autry. It's a great museum. Wow. We used to have uh, stuffed you, you know, Roy Rogers had a horse called uh, Trigger, and they had Trigger stuffed there when I when I first lived there back in the nineties. Um, I don't think he's there anymore. I think he's in Omaha now. But it, it's sort of a combination of actual Western history and then movie Western history. So we'll be talking about that in the... In the oh, is somebody just visiting? Just my dog to start barking. <laughs> so, so isn't that weird? They were, you said L.A. and then Omaha. Didn't you do that? Was yeah, it your lived, path uh, like that? You did L.A. and then Omaha. Yeah, I've lived in Los Angeles and Omaha and New Orleans besides Minneapolis. Oh, it's okay. The, the three other places I've, I've moved to. So, yeah. so you, made, you made your way to L.A. because you wanted to become Max Barber, which, you know... <laughs> The next Max Barber. Um, you're a writer, and you've tapped a little bit into the acting world. Tell us, tell yeah. us what happened with that. Well, I did some background acting. I was a what they call a well, they call it background, but we call it a, being an extra. Oh, um, so <laughs> there you go. I was, I was in the background scenes of a lot of TV shows and films, um, but it's wildly inconsistent work. Um, it's fun when you get it, and we, me and my girlfriend, were union extras. So when we we did get the jobs, we. Uh, we, we got paid pretty well, um, but it just it was we didn't get enough work to be able to sustain ourselves out there. Oh, um, it's ridiculous. Whereas Om- Omaha is ridiculously inexpensive. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> is that why that you went like there? A good place to You're like, okay, where's the cheapest place? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I had been in Omaha previously, so I was also really familiar with okay. that. So. Okay, and it's an interesting town. It's like a frontier town. It's you a weird little frontier really? town. You know what? Yeah. I've been there twice and never really thrilled with Omaha. To me, I don't know. Maybe I didn't go to the right want, places. Yeah, if you wind up there again, uh, let me know. And I'll, okay. I'll point you out the interesting spots to go to. So, why would you want to come back to the like frozen tundra? Because because the frozen chosens are here. Would that be why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my heart of hearts, I'm a Minnesotan, and every time I've gone away, I felt more Minnesotan. You know, I wind up oh. dressing like a lumberjack and eating flapjacks. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> really. Missing wild rice soup and that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and my family is here. Uh, my girlfriend's family is here. Um, and I've just, you know, especially as a writer, I've, I've been able to, to really make a, a good living for myself in the Twin Cities. So good. I wanted to get back to that. Good. Do you have a day job? Yeah, yeah. I'm working what? at uh, American Jewish World. Oh, I'm that? The, uh, oh, you get, I didn't know if that was uh, like you just did diddly around with like some, you know. Go to see this no, and write about it, but oh, good! You've got like a yeah, regular a job, job there. Cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> that must be interesting. Mordecai is per- an interesting person, right? Mordecai is an interesting yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a good guy to work for. Good. Well, that's cool. I'm glad. Uh, in 2007, you won an award called the Frank Premack Award, and that's yeah, for Frank- public affairs journalism. Can you explain yeah, that a little? Absolutely. I was part of a group that uh, of writers for Pulse of the Twin Cities, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, we wrote a series of articles on homelessness. Um, and I had had a brief experience with homelessness when I was in my 20s, um, when I first moved out to Los Angeles. So I wrote about that. And um, 
as a group, we were all awarded the uh, Frank Premack Award that year. Because I don't usually do public affairs journalism. That's a, a, I'm, I'm mostly an arts journalist. Um, but it's a very prestigious award, so it was extremely flattering to uh, get it. I don't think they offer it anymore. They but, don't. Because uh, I, I was kind of curious. You know, I kind of tried to look for it. It's not there anymore. But I thought, you know, you could. I'm glad you explained it because I didn't know what it was. But you're lucky that you got to have that when it was actually in motion, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, cool. very glad I got it. And it was Good. a total surprise to me because it is, again, quite a bit off my beaten path. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to not gonna hand it back to them and say no. I shouldn't have done it. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, you were recognized, you have been recognized for your playwriting by Variety and The New Yorker and The New York Times. Yeah. Um, does that freak you out? Like, how did that happen? Um, it's mostly the result of one play. In fact, my first wow. produced play, um, I, I wrote a play called Minstrel Show or the Lynching of William Brown, which is based on a true story. A, a fellow named uh, William Brown, who's an African-American man, was uh, murdered in Omaha in 1919. Um, he'd been accused of assaulting a white woman um, and was almost absolutely innocent of it. He had crippling rheumat- uh, rheumatoid arthritis, so he wouldn't have been able to, uh, to really hurt anyone. Um, but, you know, those charges are, are, uh, have a long history of being used against black men. And so he was, he was murdered. And, um, the story is so big, um, that I was overwhelmed by it when I first, first read it because they put him in the Douglas County courthouse, which is basically a fortress in order to protect him. And something like 5,000 Omaha's attacked the building and set fire to it. Wow. Um, they attacked uh, police that showed up. They attacked firemen that showed up. The town mayor showed up and told them uh, to stop, and they actually hung him from a lamppost. He was cut down and survived, although it was the end of his political career. Uh, they set fire to the building and finally got in and, and killed William Brown. And I had never heard that before I moved to Omaha. Um, and when I learned about it, I also discovered a lot of Omahans had never heard about it. So I adapted it into a play, um, that was produced in Omaha, and then without me do, having anything to do with it, it just started getting produced around the country. Wow. Um, I've never done any promotional work for the show, but up until about five or six years ago, it was produced once or twice per year, um, and, you know, got really good notices, and it's a, I think it's a good play. It's, it's, I wrote it so long ago, it barely feels like my play anymore, but, um, yeah, and it played in New York, so the New Yorker did a review of it and also did an illustration of it. And uh, um, it was obviously extremely flattering to have that happen. Yeah. It also brought my sort of public uh, public profile in Omaha way up. Um, all of a sudden, everybody seemed to know who I was. Um, so it was a really it was sort of a transformative moment for me. I went from being a, a sort of semi-anonymous guy just doing my own little projects to, to being a public figure, at least in Omaha. Awesome. Um, it's good. Good on the resume. Yeah, like, Everything's always good on the resume, right? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Mine just says domestic engineer. It's you know, it doesn't get me very far. <laughs> I can like sell good Girl Scout cookies really good, probably. Well <laughs> quite a loves challenge. Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> Girl Scout cookies. You're a writer and publisher at the Dress British Think Yiddish, which I love that. Oh yeah. Explain yeah, that yeah. to me. I know some of these things are a little older and but I just find them very interesting. Yeah, that's a project I started a couple of years ago. Um, uh, I just wanted to teach myself Yiddish. Uh, and it's something I'd been interested in for a very long time period. Uh, I was a Jewish studies major in college. They didn't offer Yiddish there, so I created a class through Hillel, 
and took Yiddish for a little bit, but uh, but not long enough really to become uh, fluent in the language. I'm still not fluent, but uh, uh, I, I had read a couple of books on language learning that were basically like if you can learn 600 words of a language, you can understand about 70% of it because we that's the core of uh, most people's discussion. They, they, they tend to use the same 600 words over and over, yeah. and I thought, why? Well, I can learn 600 words of Yiddish. Um, and so I just started teaching myself uh, Yiddish words. Um, I've been doing it now for a year and a half, probably. I, I think I now know about 5,000 words of Yiddish. Wow. Uh, uh, I can construct basic sentences and sort of follow it. I went to New York and watched a Yiddish play and was able to follow it pretty well. So, yeah, I wound up uh, writing about that experience and then also you know, writing about other stuff that that interested me uh, regarding Judaism, um, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a really fascinating project. It probably had a lot to do with me getting the job I currently have at uh, American Jewish World, yeah. and in a lot of ways, this kind of stuff I was writing for uh, for them have now been moved over to American Jewish World. So I'm not not participating in that project as much as I used to. Although I still I still study Yiddish. I still go over it for about a half hour per night. Wow. That's amazing. I only tried yeah, once, a, and that's a hard that I I couldn't do it. And it was a good friend of mine. <laughs> a good friend of mine was teaching it, like at a JCC, and I just could not get it. So I'm impressed. That's pretty awesome. It's a hard one. I mean, I know some of the words are. I mean, we grew up with some of the words. Yeah. And then some of them are make sense. Totally make sense. But it's still too confusing to me. Um, you uh, got to meet Michael Jackson. Will you tell me about meeting Michael? I Jackson? did meet Michael Jackson tell um, me when about I first that. lived. When I first lived in Los Angeles, I worked at a video store in uh, Westwood, which is right by UCLA. Um, and we had a lot of celebrities come in and use it. It was kind of uh, uh, comprehensive in the kinds of movies they carried. Um, a very big selection, and so a lot of people came in to find sort of obscure movies or um, to get help tracking down things. And Michael Jackson probably came in three or four times. Um, he would come in in costume. Um, he w- would have uh, a baseball cap on, fi- a wig, and usually some fake facial hair. Um, a completely unconvincing costume. He would come in and everybody would, th- would, would literally say out loud, oh, my God, it's Michael Jackson in costume. Um, and he would just walk around the store. <laughs> <laughs> he would just walk around the store and uh, select films that he wanted. He didn't rent. He bought all of his films. Um and so he would sort of put together a huge bag full of movies and then press himself up against a back wall like a, a when you walk into a room and there's a spider on the wall and they sort of press themselves up against the wall. And my boss would say, I think Mr. Jackson is probably ready to make his purchase. So I'd walk over and I'd say, can I, can I ring those up for you? In a really quiet voice, he would, he would indicate that, yeah, he was ready. And I would take the bag from him and I would just scan them all. And then I'd hand them back to him and sort of scurry out. Um... Uh, and then we'd send the bill to uh, to his uh, his people, and his they would people. reimburse us. Um, and <laughs> Did his he come in selection. alone? Did he come in alone? Uh, he'd often come in with children. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to speculate about <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, he would often have children with him. Um, and the movie selections were odd. I remember once he bought a bunch of, uh, unsurprisingly, bought. Uh, a series called That's Entertainment, which was mostly dance videos from uh, from old Hollywood. But then they also bought a, an entire series of films called Hitler's Home Movies, which seemed like a very strange Ew. couple of uh, couple of things to make a purchase of. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then you'd hear him go down the street and sort of hear people shouting and yelping as he went by them. Um, his costume did nothing. Poor thing. Isn't that yeah. sad? It's like these people try to just kind of like do their thing quietly, and it's it's sad. They can't. They're just normal like you and I, but they sadly yeah. have... We put them up higher, you know? It's yeah. too bad. No, they can't get away with it. No. If you've ever been to Hollywood, uh, if you see somebody walking around a hoodie and a baseball cap <laughs> pulled down over their eyes, it's always a celebrity, every time. <laughs> and they, and they, sadly, they just make themselves so obvious doing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'd be better just if they were just like be super plain clothes like us and wear cute little white specks like that, and no one would even know. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's. I don't know why they're. I I understand that they probably want to try and protect their privacy as yeah. much as possible, but uh, it's just, especially in LA, people are looking for yeah, celebrities. They can't, are sadly can't get away. No, you can't. You can't. And so, what's your next venture? What do you feel coming on that you want to do? Um, well, I'm still doing some writing. Uh, I, I got a grant from uh, Rimon, which is a local Jewish arts organization, to produce a play I wrote called uh, Shana, which is largely, there's a lot of Yiddish in the play. It was inspired by my own studies. Um, I don't know, I was going to do it in the fringe, but uh, I, I couldn't put together all the elements in time, so I may do it at Bryant Lake Bowl down the road. Um, I've, always, I've always liked them as a venue. Cool. Um, we, used to do, we used to do our country band there, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with them as an organization. Um, it's a one-woman show about uh, a woman who was sort of on the fringes of Yiddish performance for a long time, and this is all semi-fictionalized. She was in Yiddish theater. Um, she, she did a Yiddish soap opera about pickle millionaires, um, and she just sort of stumbled into performing in bathhouses, um, which uh, is inspired by the fact that uh, Bette Midler actually used to do that. that. Early on in her career, she would perform in bathhouses. Wow. Um, and in, in my play, this character is discovered in bathhouses, works in the Catskills, and as a result of that, uh, meets Jerry Lewis, who was working, I don't know if you're familiar with this film, a film called uh, The Day the Clown Cried. It was never released to the public. But was it? There a picture of him like that? Wasn't that there's a picture out there that must be from that what that was, right? Yeah, yeah. If you see him in clown makeup, it's from that movie. It's a Holocaust movie. Oh. Yeah, he plays a clown. It's loosely based on a real story who led um, children to the gas chamber, and it was so it was such a appalling piece of bad taste that even Jerry Lewis realized he had made a mistake and just never released it to the public. Well, in my play, uh, he hires Shana the main character to write a Yiddish version of that that's going to be filmed simultaneously and somehow she manages to make it even worse. Um, so in a lot of ways the play is a comedy about Jewish bad taste, uh, Yiddish, uh, Yiddish performance and bad taste. Well, good. <laughs> I'll look out for that. It would be really nice. That'd be awesome. So I have a special question for you. I would like sure. to know what kind of socks you wear. Do you wear white? Do you uh, wear black colored mismatched or... I often wear white socks, but depending on where I'm, what I'm wearing, I have a large collection of socks that look like British flags. I knew you were going to say um, that. I was going to say, like that jacket <laughs> you have. I love it that you like to match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So especially cool. if I'm doing something related to uh, dress British, think Yiddish, I'll wear the, uh, or dress British, think Yiddish, um, I will wear the British flag socks because then... You know, that's a sort of the British element. Works perfect. Yeah, and I do have Works a British perfect. flag jacket that I wear as well. Yeah, I love that. It's fabulous. 
Now you just have to figure out. You need a Jewish. You need a, a, a Israeli flag one. That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Max, thank you so much for being on my show today. Oh, it was my I pleasure. Thank you so it. much for uh, for contacting me. Thank you.